some of you college students are like, I don't want to take another note in my entire life because this semester is over and I'm not seeing a notepad until, hey, I'm telling you, when the Word of God is preached, it's a good time to take some notes. And you don't have to use a pen. You can use a pencil. You can open up your notes app. You can type in it, right? Acts chapter 6. I want to talk this morning about walking full. Last week we talked about Acts and really... In, on Wednesday nights, we've been in the book of Acts, and I'm, I'm just, I decided I wasn't going to have a, like an official title, but we're going to just call Wednesday night's Journey Through Acts. And we're just kind of taking through that session and that season of what does it look like to truly live as a New Testament church. And as any good Bible scholar knows, any good Bible student knows, you got to look at the then and there before you can apply it to the here and now. you got to be able to understand a little bit about why they went through what they went through and what the context of a situation was so that you can see how I can apply this to my context. You see, that's how we get into heresy, is we just pull out scriptures that we like and ignore the ones we don't, and don't look at the context, and then we come up with all kinds of crazy ideas. So, so we're taking, and, and I haven't done this in years that I can remember, but we're just taking kind of a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter look. And I know that it's going to spill over into sun, Sunday sometime, and today is one of those days. And I want to talk about walking in the fullness of the Spirit because we know that the New Testament church walked in the fullness. We know that people like Stephen was full of grace, divine blessing, favor, power, and was doing great wonders and signs, attesting miracles among the people. In fact, we know that, that this was a, a calling card or this was part of the job description for the deacons in this time. To serve the widows, they had to be full of the Spirit. And Stephen showed that. And then out of that being full of the Spirit, grace and blessing, favor, power, signs, wonders, miracles flowed out of that fullness. You understand. But then in Acts chapter 7, it goes into, and I, know, I don't know if you could read that, but maybe they'll have it up there. Thank you, guys. Acts chapter 7, verse 54 says, When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, now let me stop and pause here. We just skipped an entire chapter, basically, of the Bible. Let me just tell you, it's Stephen's sermon. Powerful. I mean, he got more uh, uh, real estate in the Word of God than Peter did in Acts chapter 2. I mean, that sermon is powerful. Uh, on, and, and then he, he, he's just like so gentle and kind at the beginning, and then he's basically calling them a brood of vipers, and they murdered Jesus at the end. It's a powerful sermon. You've got to go read it. So when the members of the Sanhedrin who he was preaching to heard this, they were furious. And gnashed their teeth at him. Dad, have you ever had anybody at the end of a sermon be furious at you for what you preached? I've got to be honest. 30 years this year, and I can't remember a sermon where people were physically gnashing their teeth at me. Now, they may have been opening their mouth, but that was because of a yawn, not because of gnashing of teeth. I mean, but these guys were mad. It says, but Stephen, and I need you to see this. But Stephen, full, say it with me, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
Wow. Do you see this? Even when they're mad at him, he's still full of the Holy Spirit. Even when they're picking up the stones, the Bible points out he's still full of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are Bible college students. Can I just speak to you for a minute? It's one thing to be full of the Spirit at the beginning of your message. It's another thing to stay full of the Spirit once the message is completed. Oh, you didn't catch that. I said it's one thing. Let me talk to everybody. It's one thing to start out your Christian walk full of the Holy Spirit, but it's another thing at the end of your life for it to be said of you they are still full of the Holy Spirit. That's our goal. That's what I want. I don't want to finish the race barely tripping over the line. I want to finish the race still as full or more more full. I want my capacity, in fact, to grow so that more of the Spirit can be poured out on me. I want God to say he needs a bigger jar. He needs a bigger vessel because I got more to pour into him. Come on, somebody. Let's keep going. And it says of Stephen, at this they covered their ears. I mean, they were still mad. They covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. I won't yell. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And then a very, very... Important verse, especially to the book of Acts. And Saul approved of their killing him. I want you to see something here. That being full of the Spirit, experiencing signs, wonders, and miracles, even seeing the Shekinah glory of God does not exempt you from persecution pain, or trouble. I'm telling you, I need to say this. I'm not trying to start out on a low note, but I need to tell you, just because you're full of the Spirit, it does not mean it's going to exempt you from trouble. In fact, can I just say it? Being full of the Spirit can even attract trouble. (laughs) It can attract it. As I was at that chapel a couple of weeks ago in my son's Bible school, and Robbie Dawkins is preaching and teaching these students, he's talking about going into certain nations that I won't name, but he goes into certain nations, and he, and he shows us a video that, that I can't ever show you because he wouldn't give it out because he said they got sued for it. And they said, we'll sue you if you release this. And so they were able to do a portion of it on finger of God too, but they weren't able to do the rest of it. And as he's showing us this video that we can't show that we can't have, he's literally, let me tell you the earth shaking thing he's doing. He's praying for someone earth shattering, right? But as he's praying for this person on the, on the video, this person's leg grows out. What's interesting about this is this is not at a big arena. This is not at a big meeting. This is not 
at, at a trumped up meeting where there's a bunch of people looking to buy somebody's tickets or paid a bunch of money to get into some worship concert. Come on, somebody. I mean, they're literally, this, is, this is on the streets of a nation that if I were to name would blow your mind because you'd think that wouldn't happen there. And as they were filming this, and this man's leg began to grow out, the other interesting thing is that this man's leg that you could see literally growing out was not a Christian man was not a man who had been raised in the church. In fact, it wasn't even a man who had ever heard the gospel in his entire life. He was a Muslim who had only heard one gospel, and it was not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as his leg grew out, and as he stood up shocked because he had limped his entire life, but then as he began to walk around and go, there's no limp, then Robbie began to minister through the translator And they led the man to Jesus. And that guy got saved. As this event is happening, and as it was happening on American shores, if it was happening in the city of South Lake, people would just probably look at you a little strange. The problem is the police rolled up. They confiscated all the cameras. And then they put an AK-47 into Robbie Dawkins' chest. And were screaming at the top of their lungs, what were you doing here? Can I tell you, being full of the Spirit can sometimes attract trouble. So how many of you want to be full of the Spirit right now? Come on, somebody. I want to. I mean, if you got to go, you may as well go full of the Spirit. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When somebody insults you because of Christ, Lift up your hands and say, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Because what they did to Jesus, Jesus said they're going to do to us. And and i got to tell you, if they're going to do it to us, we better be full of the Spirit. But we rejoice when trouble comes in this way because the Spirit of glory rests upon us. You see, sometimes we desire the fullness of the Spirit for personal reasons. To help us overcome sin. To help us stay joyful. To become more Christ-like and other reasons. We want to be full of the Spirit. We want to be full of the Spirit so we can get rid of uh, disease or depression or whatever. And, and I've and I got to tell you, those things come. I can tell you a difference. I know my own father-in-law's testimony. Part of his testimony is when he got the joy of the Lord, anger could not stay. Because anger and joy don't coexist well together. And when he was delivered from anger, he was a joyful man. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a personal reason, and it's a, and it's a good thing. How many of you need to be filled with joy? How many of you want to be filled with joy? Amen? I do. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. However, I need you to see this, that Stephen and the others were full of the Spirit for more than personal reasons. They were filled to fulfill kingdom purposes. 
You see that infilling comes that, that you know, if, if we go all the way back to what we talked about last week in Acts chapter 2, it says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I will pour out my spirit on both men and women, right? Awesome. But Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. He said, and then you will be my what? Joyful servants. And then you will be happy all the day long. No, he said, and then you will be my what? Come on, church. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. On Wednesday night, we talked about that, how the gospel began to spread exactly in that way. So I'm telling you, yes, it's for personal reasons, but it's for far more than personal reasons. In fact, may I submit to you that if all you're looking for in the fullness of the Spirit is for personal reasons, then at some point that leak we talked about last week is going to be great. You're going to leak a lot quicker. And I'll show you that in just a second. So walking in the fullness of the Spirit produces power for living and power for service. Let me say that again because I don't have it anywhere. Walking in the fullness of the Spirit provides power for living and power for service. Got that? So let's look at it. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Would you repeat that with me? So I say, walk by the Spirit. Verse 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in Step with the Spirit. So how do we walk in the Spirit? What does walking in the Spirit look like? In the New Testament church, we just read how in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, that Stephen had been murdered and Saul was there giving his approval. As we keep going on, it says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. <laughs> what, is, what, is your, what does your version say? I, I like that. For with shrieks, impure Do you know? Can I tell you something right here? I know you're maybe a little sleepy right now, but I need you to wake up and see this for a second. Do you understand that, that we, there is no reason to be afraid of a demon if you're full of the Spirit? There is no reason you should fear the demonic if you're full of the Spirit. But what did we just read? Demons fear those who are full of the spirits. They don't just come out quietly. Oh, okay. I'll come out of this one, you know, just because I'm trying to be nice today. No, they came out with shrieks. They were afraid of those who were casting them out. Why? Because they were full of the spirit. Do you remember that story when Jesus was casting 
the legion out and they said, please. We got all these stupid movies out there that cause people to be afraid of demons. Oh, the demon, it moved the thing on the table. Ah! Come on. That is the enemy's trick. And if you're into horror movies, can I just encourage you? That's not doing you one bit of good. Not one bit of good. All it does is continue to increase fear in our nation of something that we should not be fearful of. They're fearful of us. Come on. Look at somebody right now and say, there's a demon afraid of you. There's a demon afraid of you. Why? Not because of you, not because of your flesh, but because of who lives inside of you. Because greater is he who lives inside of me than he who is in the world. Come on. They're going to shriek. Somebody's like, let's take the, that we're praying for somebody for the demon to come out. So let's take him off to a side room. I understand we don't want to make too many people afraid. But here's the thing. I want them to leave with shrieks. It's okay if it gets a little loud. Because I don't have to get loud. They got to get loud as they go. Okay, I got to come back. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. I love this verse. So there was great joy in that city. You know what we as, as, as people full of the Spirit should be doing? We should be bringing joy to our city. And how do we bring joy to our city? By causing the demons to go. By causing sickness to go. By bringing the hope and the message of Jesus Christ. That brings joy to a city. Amen? You see, Philip was one of the seven who served the widows alongside Stephen. This is not Philip, the disciple or the apostle. This is Philip, the Hellenist Jew, along with Stephen, who served those Hellenist Jews. Philip served widows in peaceful times, and he served the lost in Samaria in persecuting times. It didn't matter whether they were in peaceful times or in persecution, these men who were filled with the Spirit, these women who were filled with the Spirit, were still going to serve God and serve others. So, what's one of the secrets to staying full? How do they walk in the Spirit? Because fullness requires constant flow. Watch this. Remember we talked about last week how you can leak. I just mentioned it a few minutes ago. One of the things we have to understand is this is not like filling up a glass and then just letting it sit there forever. No. If something is coming out, then we've got to continue to replace it with, right? If I don't know about you, but when I'm at a restaurant, I just tell the server in a nice way because we like to tip our servers well. I just tell the server in a nice way, hey, listen. I'm like a camel. I'm going to drink a lot. So if you want to go ahead and bring a picture, picture, you can do that because I'm going to want that refilled a lot. And some of them are like, oh, it's okay, mister. We'll just come by and fill it. And then I'm like, hello, I'm ready for another. I'm ready for another. I mean, I drink a lot of water, a lot of iced tea, a lot of whatever I'm drinking. I like to drink a lot. <laughs> I need to clarify maybe that. No alcohol. But I like to drink a lot. A lot of tea, a lot of water. A lot of Coke Zero lately, all right? I like to drink that stuff, especially if it's cherry Coke. Ah, mm, good stuff. 
So, where am I at? Fullness requires constant flow. It's, it's kind of like this picture. It's like, this is, I don't know, I tried to find out. I think it's called Beaver Dam. I wanted the Hoover Dam, but they didn't have any really good ones. This is called Beaver Dam. That just does not look like a beaver built that. But I'm going to tell you right now, that is like what we are talking about. Sometimes we're like, oh, a little drink, a little, a little pour out. No, this is more like what I'm talking about. We want the power, the constant flow of the Spirit in our life. Because here it is. We are an open conduit, not a closed container for the power of the Spirit. We're an open conduit. We need to be like a pipeline that God can flow through and flow into others. Watch this. Jesus didn't say in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, pools of lake water will fill him. He didn't say in John 7, 38, lakes of calm water will bubble up and pool. Mm -mm. What did he say? Did he say swamps of stagnant water will stink up your life? No. He said streams, rivers of living water will flow out of him. Jesus prophesied and said, if you want to be full of the Spirit, you've got to understand that I'm a river flowing through you. The Holy Spirit is a river flowing through. And the very definition of river is that it flows. Flowing water. You want to be full of the Spirit? You want to remain full of the Spirit? Somebody says, oh, last Sunday was awesome. And I got to tell you, it was. Last Sunday morning, oh, if you were not here, I'm sorry. It was amazing. People were lined up all the way around. People were being filled with the Spirit, being touched by God. All kinds of cool things were happening. The prophetic was, was in a flow, man, it, like it hadn't been in so long. It was so amazing. But I need you to understand, if you want that, you can't hold on to it. You can't put a cap on it. you got to let it flow. In the Spirit... The more of his power, his grace, his love that flows through you, the more that's coming back to you. The more that flows through you, the more comes back to you. You see, it's really easy to give away what you don't own. What's not yours, what you didn't pay for. My kids are a perfect example of this. Right? My wife sends me a text in the first service. I'm trying to hone in on what the man of God is saying, and I get a ding. And I look down, it's my wife. How many of you know, if you're married, you don't go all holy on your wife at that moment. You go, okay, if she's texting me in the middle of the service or something. Now, she's sitting about where Brother Jim is, and I'm sitting here, okay? <laughs> so I look back at her, I look at the text. She says, Emily needs gas money. Emily, my daughter's coming home from ORU today. Hallelujah. Excited about that. Emily needs gas money. So, modern technology, I send her gas money over a text. Right? And then she says, Dad, I don't need gas money. Any moms in the house, right? It doesn't matter. Mom wants to make sure Emily's taken care of, right? So I said, baby, 
If you need snacks on the way, if you need a meal on the way, then get it with that. Just use it. It's easy to spend money that's not yours, that you didn't pay for, that you didn't work for, that you didn't sacrifice for. Come on. And this is the way we should approach the things of the Spirit. Jesus already died. He already gave us all good gifts. And he said, how much more will I give you the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's there for the asking. Just ask him to fill you up. But then don't hold on to it. Give it away. Let it go. Because <laughs> he's got more where that came from. There is a consistent, constant, ever-flowing. Just like this gif has been going in the background, there is more coming. And it's not going to stop. It's not going to be cut off. Every time I go out to give out what I have, whether it's through Revive Texas or a missions trip or praying for people door to door or ministering to somebody, I can tell you this for assuredly, I get more back than I give out. Now, many of you know, out of the fivefold, I don't look at myself as an evangelist. I, f- I flow more on the prophet, pastor, and I've had to really grow in that pastoral thing. God, give me grace to grow in pastor. Because I've always been that prophet that just tells people, and that's just the way it has been since I was a kid. Black and white. But evangelist, not so much. But yet my Bible tells me, Paul told Timothy, and I just take that to be the gospel, says do the work of evangelist. But I can tell you, when we talk about revived text, we talk about going door to door, we talk about ministering to people like that, I get, I get knots in my stomach. I do. I'm like, oh, man, maybe I don't feel good to go out. Maybe I... Anybody else with me? I know some of you are evangelists. So you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just not even holy right now. But some, anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, I, I know I should, but I just, it's, it's, it's not easy for me to, I mean, give me a microphone. I'll talk to you, but give me a one-on-one door opening thing. Ah, it's just not me, Chuck. You're same. All right. That's surprising. <laughs> but here's the thing. Even though I don't feel it, I don't walk by my feelings. I walk by faith. And I say, Lord, this is what you've called me to do and called us as a church to do and called us as Christians to do, so I'm going to do it. And I promise you, every single time I go, I mean, it just takes one. I don't care if it's a slam door or if it's an open door. It just takes one, and then I'm ready to go for two hours. Come on, let's keep going. Oh, we got to go back to the church? No, let's keep going. Why? Because the more you give, the more he pours back on you. I love what Jim Elliott said many years ago. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott died along with others in ministering to a tribe that said, we don't want what you have. He was speared. If you haven't seen the movie End of Spear, it's a powerful, powerful story of Jim Elliot. And you can say, well, that tribe's done. They didn't receive the gospel. It's not true. Did you know that Jim Elliot's wife went after him and the wives of the men who were slain? And many of them went back to that tribe. And now that entire tribe serves Jesus Christ. There's a church in that tribe and goes beyond that. I actually saw 
one of the men, they don't know exactly which one, obviously, but one of the men who killed that group, I've seen him on a stage ministering the gospel. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's move on to one more thing. Acts chapter 8, 14 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Did I say it was verse 25? I'm sorry, I skipped down to 25. Preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now, if you just did a cursory reading of this, you might miss this, just as I did. But as the Holy Spirit was going through verse by verse with this with me, I realized something here. Philip opened the door to Samaria. Did you know that? Philip, if it hadn't been for Stephen being persecuted, they may have stayed in Jerusalem another 10, 15, 20 years and just let people come to them. But because of Stephen's persecution, because Philip's good friend, think about this. Think about somebody you like working with. Don't think about the one you don't like working with. Think about somebody you like working with, you like hanging out with. You like being with. That's the way I imagine Stephen and Philip. And now Stephen has been murdered, killed for his faith. And Philip, what's Philip's response? I got to keep this going. And he steps out. And instead of going to more Jews, where does he go? He goes to the Samaritan village, the city of Samaria. Some Bible scholars say that was just a general area of Samaria. So he goes here. And he preaches the gospel. And people get saved. Great joy comes to the city. Demons are being cast out. Then he calls and he gets back. How did that happen? I don't know. I'm like, how did he get the word back? Did he send an email, a text? You know, what did he do? But he got Peter and John and he said, hey, you guys need to get over here. There's revival happening. And they come and, and they see all these people who have come to Christ now. And they say, have you received the Holy Spirit? They're like, oh, no. And they look at Philip and go, dude. Why haven't you preached on the Holy Spirit? He says, I'm, I'm still casting out demons. I'm still, I mean, we're just getting to the basics here. And they said, okay, we got it. Good, Philip. Good job. And they laid their hands on him. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this, the word, what is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I don't know if it's a good word or not, so please forgive me if it's not. But they were jazzed at this point. They were like so ready at this point. They were like, let's go. And Peter and John, on their way back to Jerusalem, stopped at every village in Samaria that they could come to, and they began to preach the gospel. So what's happening here? Philip opened the door for the Samaritan towns to hear the gospel. But not only did they open the door, but they opened the floodgates. Because it was at that point that now Peter and John are preaching to all the Samaritans. What's the principle in action? Walking in the fullness of of the Spirit unlocks floodgates. As we walk in the Spirit, as we're giving out to others, we don't even realize it sometimes, but actually we're unlocking floodgates. Go back to that picture. It's like, we just opened something up. 
It's just like God gave us the keys. Do you remember that Jesus said something about that? I've given you the keys to what? To the kingdom. And he goes and he begins to unlock these things. Philip opened the door and Peter and John began to minister outside of their normal comfort zone. Samaritans weren't in their comfort zone. Jews were. Samaritans weren't. You remember how they dealt with Jesus when he was ministering in Samaritan town. They were like, Jesus, why are you talking to this woman? They weren't comfortable in this area. But now because of Philip, they were ministering everywhere they went. A couple of things I'm going to close. When we step out in faith in one area, we open the doors for others to follow. Listen to that again. When we step out in faith in one area, we open up doors for others to follow. I remember when I was in Florida as a youth pastor. And we were, we were trying to do whatever we could to get into the school systems. And, and really, Florida at that time, and I still think today, is, is very overall closed. Even though it's kind of a conservative state, kind of not. They're very closed in the school systems to any kind of ministry or ministry groups coming in. And so we kept getting blocked. And I was like, man, how do we get in here? And I had, man, in Montana, we had it open. I mean, it was just like amazing. We brought in Dave Reaver and Reggie Dabbs and a bunch of other guys years ago. And they went into the school system and preached the gospel to to all the students there. It was awesome. It was when I was youth pastoring for dad. But then I went to Florida, and it was a total different scenario. They were like, nope, nope, nope. You can't even meet with the kids at the lunch. Nope. You're, you've got pastor behind your name. You can't do that. Okay, I'm not a pastor anymore. Nope, you can't do it. We already know. I mean, they were just like closed. And we're like, what can we do? And then I remembered years before that, we had done something where we had gone into schools and we had served like teachers. And we went up to teachers and we were like, okay, hey, we would love to help you, especially like at different times in the year, you know, that teachers need help with, with cleaning their classrooms and doing all, you know, just different things. And we started serving. So what we did in our youth ministry is we created this thing. Our youth ministry was called H2O, and we simply called it H2O Serve. And we made up T-shirts, and it had a stick figure with a broom in his hand. <laughs> really cutting edge. And uh, anyway, so we went in there, and these kids would wear these shirts, and they would go up to their teacher and say, look, there's a group of us here in this school that would like to come and help you. Is there any way we can serve you? And they would start finding ways. And the teachers would go, yeah, right, you're going to serve me. They didn't believe them. They said, no, we're here to serve. And they would start serving. And they would go into these classrooms and they would serve and they would help the teacher and they would clean up and all the junk. Then they would go into the, the cafeteria. Oh, man, anybody ever been to a public high school cafeteria? Anybody ever been to a middle school cafeteria? Oh, my goodness. And they would go in, and they would say to the people that were the cafeteria workers, they would say, we got this. We're going to clean up all the trays and clean up everything. And they'd be like, what's your motive? Our motive is simple, love. And we trained our kids to do this. Can I tell you, they began to go, and they began to serve. And it opened up a door. And all of a sudden, teachers began to trust these students who were full of the Holy Spirit. 
And before you know it, we had students, we had one student who got radical and one day stood on top of one of the tables that he was cleaning and said, I want to let you know here today that there is a reason I'm serving. It's because Jesus Christ served me. And he began to preach the gospel and students got saved and teachers didn't stop him. Why? Because they wanted him to clean up the table afterwards and they knew he would. It was just like all of a sudden, boom. And our youth ministry, not this was not our intention, was not to grow our youth ministry. But something happened. And all of a sudden, kids started streaming in from the left and from the right, from all different schools, from the neighborhoods. And our youth ministry went from 100 to 400 students in a matter of a year. Why? Because we were serving. And once that door was unlocked, all kinds of stuff happened. When we open up an area for one, it opens up the area for all. One more thing. Yeah, I'm not going to go to that next point, so I'm just, I want to stay here for a second. When we get free in an area of our lives, it opens up freedom for someone else. When we get free in an area of our lives, it opens up freedom for someone else. One of the reasons God wants you to be so free is because he wants those that you touch to be free. Yeah, first, he loves you so much. He wants you free. But watch this. When you get free, others will get free. If you're free, it's kind of like my father-in-law, I told you earlier. He got so free of anger. And joy just filled him. And that bled over into my life. Because I grew up such an angry kid some, because of my abuse and things that happened to me. All of this stuff came out. And I didn't know how to deal with it other than anger. But I saw this man. And I saw his freedom. And the joy of the Lord. And I said, I want that. And I began to pursue that. And they prayed with me. And they took me to conferences. And man, I got free. So much joy. So much joy. When you're free in one area, you can bring freedom to others. I've got so many examples, but I'm not going to talk about all of them. Just one more. When I was touched by the Spirit in 1994, it happened to be that it was during an interview to work for this man in Montana. I was in Texas. I was interviewing to be a youth pastor. And when the church accepted me and the board accepted me and, and they said, yes, we want you to come, we were there one more night. And I won't tell the whole story, but I got so powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit like I'd never had before. Went on the ground, came up a changed person. And I was like, I really honestly at that point didn't know everything that happened. I didn't understand. Have you ever been touched by God and not fully understood what he did? But yet you knew he touched you? That was the way it was for me. It was like he went inside and did some major internal surgery that I didn't even understand because I was under the knife for about 20, 25 minutes, they tell me. 
I just got up thinking, wow, that was cool. But I didn't realize he had shifted some things in my life. So I go back to my church, tell my pastor I'm resigning. I knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. But I didn't realize what it would be, and we were moving to Montana. And I was like, okay. And then he said, I want you to preach to the young people. I said, great. So I preached to the huge, I mean, I had a huge youth ministry of nine kids. It was awesome. Things were happening. We've grown from two to nine in a year and a half. It was incredible. <laughs> it really was. It was a great time. And as I'm ministering to these nine kids, most half of them are young adults, I'm just preaching this. I got to tell you, I don't even remember what I preached, but I can tell you it wasn't, I wasn't preaching anything about the Holy Spirit. Not that I don't preach about the Holy Spirit, but that time I was just like, I don't know. I was like a, you know, Joshua passed on the mantle, Elijah passed, you know, and it's something dumb. And I was just like preaching this dumb message. And then the next thing you know, these kids started laughing. And I was like, I didn't tell a joke. I didn't say anything funny. And within the next few minutes, all nine of those kids were underneath. We had pews in that church. They were underneath the pews, laughing, weeping, wailing, crying. And there was nobody more surprised than me. Because I was thinking, I don't even know if I believe in this stuff. All I know is that a week before that, I was blind, but now I could see in the sense of the Spirit. Something radical changed in my life. Something was unlocked, and it unlocked something in those young people. I want you to stand. I don't believe the Lord is asking me to have an altar call in the sense of bringing you forward. If you want to come forward, you can. Paxton, would you mind coming playing? But this is what I do believe. I do believe the Holy Spirit wants to touch you right where you're at. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to unlock some things in you. So that He can unlock some things in others. Yes, Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Would you hold out your hands as if God is a UPS delivery driver and you're about to receive a package? then I want you to say this. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive whatever you have for me. I will take this gift. I will cherish this gift. I will give this gift away because I trust you that you're going to continue. Give me more. Say it again. Say, I receive in the name of Jesus. Now receive. Receive. 
receive. Receive right where you're at. Holy Spirit. joy is being given to some right now. Receive it. Receive it. Multiplied grace is being poured out on some. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. There's somebody in this room that you're like the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, you've received Jesus, but you have not yet received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the Spirit right now. God is handing out a gift of fire to somebody right in this place. You feel, you just feel all of a sudden heated up. I mean, it was like... The Holy Spirit is pouring fire on you right now. He's burning some stuff out and he's igniting some new stuff. Receive. 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 Just receive. Receiving, but who in here is feeling like a like the only way I can describe is like a heaviness or a coat? You feel like just something heavy on you. Like somebody wrapped a blanket or a coat around you. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive. Just receive. That's right. It's the weightiness of God's glory. It's his glory. It's his glory. His glory. Oh, it's His glory. It's His glory. It's His glory. His glory. His glory. His glory. His glory. In Jesus' name. Just receive. Glory of God. Glory of It's okay if you respond to the Holy Spirit. It's okay if you respond. Somebody feels like weeping, but you're just like, I don't want to weep. It's okay. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody, you can't even describe it. You feel something in your hands. Just 
lift up your hand to the Lord. If you feel something in your hands, like a tingling or a, maybe even a sweatiness, just lift your hands to the Lord. The Lord is using you right now, and he's telling you, I'm going I'm to bring healing in your hands and healing through your hands. The Holy Spirit is going to heal. You lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. That the, God is giving you a special healing anointing right now. Just receive it in Jesus' name. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Somebody else, you're receiving just like on your lips. It's either like your lips are tingly or I, I don't know. You just all of a sudden you're just like, what is going on with my mouth? Just raise your hand. God has given you a voice. He's given you a prophetic voice right now. And he's saying, yes, I've called you all to prophesy, but God has given you a prophetic voice right now to speak to those that are around you. And he's going to use your voice. He's going to use your mouth just like just like the prophet took the coal. He took the coal from the altar and touched his lips. It wasn't just to, to get rid of all the junk. It was to speak the word, to speak the word. Hallelujah. There's one more. I know some of you are feeling something in your feet. In your legs or in your feet. If you're feeling that, raise your hand. You're feeling something in your feet, your legs, whether it's tingling or heaviness or something in that. Guess what? The Lord is saying, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you like an evangelist to the nations. I'm going to send you to those who are hungry, to those who are hurting, to those who need to hear the message. He says, yes, that's for all of us, but I'm giving you a special anointing to carry this gospel, to carry this gospel even to the ends of the earth. In the name of Jesus. Some of you feel something like on your chest or in your heart area. Lift your hands. Yes. God is saying, I'm giving you the Father's heart. My heart that beats with compassion for those that I love. I'm putting that heart in you. Changing that heart of stone for a heart of flesh. He's saying compassion. Let that compassion flow out of you. Let that compassion flow through you. Hallelujah. The Father, heart of God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. One more time. Can we all lift our hands? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are here. God, we love your presence. We love being in your presence. We love when the body of Christ comes together and your presence fills us. But Lord, we don't want to be just filled today. We want to be filled tomorrow, filled next week, and continue to be filled with your presence. Lord, we humble ourselves before you and we just become obedient. Even as you are obedient to the cross, we become obedient to you, Lord. Say, come have your way in us. Come flow through us. Come flow through us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Some of you, I believe the Lord is even saying he wants to give you a fresh language. You've been filled with the Spirit. You've been baptized in the Spirit. You speak in tongues, but the Lord wants to give you multiple languages. You say, why would that be? Because he's a creative God. Not only that, because he wants you to speak to those and pray for those. Just begin to say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I got to be obedient. There's somebody else in here. You have, and I don't know what you're feeling, but I'm telling you, God is putting a spirit of intercession on you. We're all called to pray. But he's, he's highlighting you, and you know exactly who you are. You're like, yep, that's me. God is putting that spirit of intercession on you to intercede like never before. <laughs> Let him flow through you. Let him flow through you. Let him flow through you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we yield to you. Say, come and do what you want, when you want, how you want, who you want. That's what we want. We desire your presence. We desire your fullness. We desire your glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that as we go out from this place, that we would be a conduit, that your presence, your power, your grace, your love, your joy would flow through to those we come into contact with. In the mighty, precious, powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Bring your mom next week. Moms, bring your kids next week. Let's see what God will do. Amen.